if I could teach you one thing about nutrition, what would that be? Kia ora, I'm Janet, a qualified personal trainer, nutrition coach and mum of four boys. You're listening to The Riggs Ramblings, a podcast that is a space and a place for you to be while we explore the non-bullshit approach to nutrition, exercise and all the bits in between. I have a huge passion for movement and ordinary people achieving extraordinary things. So we'll have some adventures and we'll be joined by some epic guests along the way who will share their wild journeys through this thing we call life. Let's crank on into it. Hello, Janet here, and you're listening to another episode of the Riggs Ramblings podcast. This is episode number 54, and today we're going to talk about going from the dieter to the eater. It's quite an interesting concept, isn't it, to think, can I ever be free of diet culture? Diet culture is around us, it's everywhere, and with the now intrusive nature of social media, it's in your face constantly, it's in your face subliminary, God, I can never... Sublime messages. Can never get that word out. Um, it's in the face of our children. It's in society. It's been around for decades. We need to change the way that we think about it because diet culture and the dieting industry makes a fuck ton of money and it is not going to go anywhere. So instead of it going away and life being all perfect and happy, 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 joy, joy. We need to adapt and we need to learn and we need to educate ourselves on how we can deal with it. And being able to do that is getting yourself from diet culture to being an eater. So most people um, will tell me that they eat too much and that's what's got us there or got them there or got them to where they are today. Um, Correct, I guess. If you were once upon a time a small person and... Over many, many years, you're now a person that is in a larger size body than what you were back then. Then, yes, like a calorific surplus has got you there. That doesn't mean that every single day or at every single meal you've over ate. It just means over a period, a long period of time, the balance has been in a surplus more than it's been at maintenance and you've gained some weight or you're in a bigger size. Most people will say that they overeat all the time. You actually don't. You don't overeat all the time. What is happening, however, is that the foods that are worth more in value are the things that are chosen more than the foods that are worth less. So what's happening really when people say to me, oh, I eat too much, is that they're under eating the right foods to eat at the right time. And what that does is it leaves a lot of hunger, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety and that can often lead to mismanagement of hunger cues, it'll do and lead to mismanagement of portion control and it can and possibly will lead to overeating and excessive snacking. Constant dieting leaves an imprint. Does. It'll distort, it will distort your view on health. It will distort your understanding on what you think health is. It will distort your view on weight. It will distort your view on self-worth. Life and your mental well-being. This is not about mental illness. That's a whole different um, category. So mental well-being. Your everyday day-to-day health. The way we process things mentally. Everything is 
is shoved in your face. Fair diets. This is the secret. This is the magic. Gimmicks on TV. The exercise machines where Chuck Norris with his freaking abdominals is doing some freaking thing on some freaking gadget. I mean, I'm not even going to name them because Christ, who knows? I can't even remember the names. Is that fucking many of them. He didn't get there using that machine. Not at all. He got there through exercising, lifting heavy weights in the gym for decades. Decades. I'll say it one more time for those in the back. Decades. Of consistency and lifting heavy shit often, nourishing himself well, sleeping well. He didn't get there overnight, and he didn't sure shit didn't get there on the abflex or whatever the fuck it is he's trying to sell you. It's just wankery and fuckery in its finest. But when we are in a constant state of dieting, it is exhausting. It is, you know, the possibility of it being a yo-yo diet, um or fasting, or keto, or the 5 and 2, the 7 and 8, the 15 and 6, I don't know, I'm just starting to make those numbers up now. It is exhausting, and it becomes self-loathing, the over-exercising, under-exercising, you know, under it all leaves marks, and it leaves a lack of trust on your own ability. Becoming an eater after decades of under-eating, over-eating, binging, not binging, disordered eating, eating disorders, for want of better words, is a massive mind fuck. And it takes dedication, consistency, and often help from the outside. Whether that is counselling, or a nutrition coach, or a nutritionist, or a dietitian. Depending on how extreme your behaviour and um, choices from here on are, and will probably determine who's going to help you the most. How can we start to look at food differently and how can we get a better handle on the situation? So with my clients, everybody is doing or taught the tools that stay the same. So nutrition tools are the same. However, everybody is an individual need and is needs a you know specific approach. If somebody is a snacker already and is overeating the snacks, then I'm going to teach them how to manage their snacking. Probably because their snacking's not what they think it is. It's not the right types of food, so we make the snacks the right types of foods. Heavy restriction. We have to try and cut, you know, try and beat the cycle there how do we do that by not restricting um i know this sounds comical but it's not at the end of the day i generally start people on asking them to rate their sleep for a start sleep will impact your nutrition if you're getting shit sleep you're not sleeping then you will have excess hunger being tired makes you hungry sorry but it does so shit sleeps lead to shitty decisions and they lead to hunger. So get your sleep sorted first and foremost. It's a work in progress. That's not going to freaking happen overnight either. Just like everything else. All funny. Rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. Um, but focusing on sleep, then focusing on protein and fiber over calorie counting or heavy restriction or fasting or keto or whatnot is something that I think just about everybody should 
focus on or start their journey with. It is something that I focus on every day. And if my training increases, which currently is um, increasing because, uh, you know, I've got a tour of New Zealand coming up where I'm going to be riding for days on end on my sickle, my bicycle. I friggin' really look into it. And I mean, my fiber, I probably woefully under eat a little bit, maybe. Um, I am more of a vegetable eater than a fruit eater during the winter months, mainly because I just love summer fruit and um, apple and oranges only go so far. Um, bananas I eat during, during training, though, yeah, not too bad a source. Um, but depending on my fiber and taken off and depend on my breakfast because, you know, porridge has um, got high. Um, sources of fiber in it but protein I try to nail it at every meal and when I'm training hard I try to make sure that I'm actually overeating it so what we do if we're not meticulously counting and weighing things you know our um we're kind of assuming and I don't mean this negatively it's not it's not negative it's not negative we're assuming and we're estimating because nothing's 100% when it comes to nutrition even the rules aren't 100% um Say like portion sizes, size of your palm, you know, it depends how big your palm is, Um, it depends how you sort of think that looks on a plate, like it's all sort of estimating, but the the most accurate that we can be in our estimating um, is going to help us out here, because we generally will woefully under eat our protein and our fibre, and everybody could benefit from eating more plants, right? So upping your vegetable intake. So that can be frozen foods, you know, frozen veggies. I eat green beans just about every day for my lunch at the moment. I am loving, and I've said this before, either in social media or on the, I don't know so much on the podcast, but I've definitely um, had it in the email that I'm loving the fact that Pack and Save at the minute is selling bulk packs of pork in their freezer. So it's pork sirloin steaks that clearly didn't sell fresh they've snap froze them they come in packets of about eight um, and for just about every day for my lunch it, I grab one of those or two of those depending how big they are generally it's two because I'm a hungus and I put them in ABC sauce in a frying pan which is a sweet manta soy sauce grab that in a big bottle from pack and save as well and then when that is starting to caramelize and get nice and sticky I shove some green beans in there as well and that for the most part has been my dinner for lunch for yeah quite a while now um it's not heavy in carbohydrates because I eat my carbohydrates elsewhere if I wanted to add more carbohydrates to that I would quickly bang some rice in the microwave that you've brought off the shelf in a tub for two bucks um you know they come in serves 30 seconds that lunch takes about 15 minutes to cook and uh then I eat it and I enjoy it. Um, that is a great way for me to get my protein in. The sirloins are um, just over the size of my palm, so I'm guesstimating and estimating there that I'm probably getting an adequate amount of protein in it for me. Remember, you know, I just said my training is increasing, so my demands for my protein is increasing. So I adapt it and I adapt things um, so that I'm getting the most out of it. If we manage to put as much effort into getting our protein up, our plant eating up, as we did avoiding exercise or um, using unsustainable diet fads, we actually would already be where it is we want to be. We put so much time and effort sometimes into the things that are dogging us the most. Because we sometimes think that if I just stick at this, 
it'll get me to where is you know where I want to be and sadly you can over exercise yourself to oblivion and it's never going to get you to where it is you want to be you can under eat in your diet and it's never going to get you to where it is you want to be because it is unsustainable we want sustainable patterns we want sustainable behavior we want a sustainable life we want to live and we want to enjoy things being hungry by choice is not enjoying life, is it? I mean, I'm a hunger, so I am hungry quite often. I burn a lot of calories um, just being me because I move a lot. I fidget. My neat is next level. So that's my non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And then you add in my actual training. So in the last podcast, I think it was, or the podcast before that, I told everybody that the seven to 10,000 steps per day was non-negotiable. I really believe that, 100% believe that, and it may surprise you that on most days I can actually get that without actually having gone for a walk. And on the days that I don't get it, you know, I take the dog and we go for a walk. I mean, I walk the dog most days anyway, but not all the time. Um... So, what can you do today that you can do tomorrow, that you can do the next day, that can change you from being the dieter to the eater? Now, I'm not going to say that this is going to be an early, early, an easy road because it's not. Like these diet culture behaviors are ingrained in your soul. And. When we change them and we start to eat more food, that can come with a real punch in the face because it's going against everything you thought is true and correct. Because what you've probably been telling yourself when all of these over-exercising, under-eating, all of these diets you've tried have failed is that was you. You put the blame squarely on you. I didn't do it well. I couldn't stick to it. I didn't understand it. I let myself go I I I I I I I fads are designed to fuck you over they are designed to take your money they are designed to emotionally sabotage you they are designed to fail you did everything right you brought into the fad they got you on board It failed because it's an unsustainable fuckwit diet. They then got you again by going, oh, that didn't work. Here, try this. Then here, try that. That's what worked for me. It doesn't work for them. So it sure as shit is not going to work for you. Those people that are selling you things, they don't take those products. They don't do that diet. If they have got a low body fat, if they are lean, if they've got muscle and they look everything like what you want to look like, they are doing that by lifting heavy weights in the gym, they are doing that by eating a sustainable diet, and, they do, and they've got there by doing that over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again. The part of society at the moment with influencers, I'm an influencer, um, is also another distinct form of fuckery. And slavery because brands 
are sponsoring or giving or gifting or encouraging influencers to use their things so that they can sell their product. Now, a lot of the people, a lot of the things that the people who take these opportunities up will depend on their moral compass. So I have a significantly high set of moral compass standards. I mean, there's lots of things in my life where my um, <laughs> my standards are fucking low. But the one thing I do have is a really high um, moral compass when it comes to things like this. So without fail, there would be, I know, half a dozen. I don't have a large social media following. Look, I've only got 100 and something followers on each of my platforms. It's not huge, right? But every week I would have somebody email me and ask me to become an ambassador. A, a lot of the times it's for supplements. Sometimes it's for athletic wear of brands that I've never heard of. And sometimes I think with the amount of money I spend on athletic wear, maybe I should take them up on their offer. But um, these supplements, right? So you become an ambassador and we'll, we'll send you these protein powders, these magic pills, these, sup, you know, insert word here. And, you know, all you've got to do is put it over your social media platforms. Now, see why they're even targeting me, I don't know. Like I just said to you, I don't have a high, like a large audience. My audiences are small. My reach is small. Um, but they literally, you know, yeah, will give you all this stuff for free and you've got to shove it all over your social media. I would never tell somebody to take something I haven't tried myself. I would never tell somebody to take something that I haven't researched and by, being, by research, I mean like just more than reading labels. When I research a food, I research all of the ingredients that are in it. I research what those ingredients do to people and the benefits of them. I read other research by those authors so that I can determine whether they are bias, if they have bias. I then read peer-reviewed research from others that read the research and redo the mythology of them to prove whether the research is true and correct without bias or with bias. So one fucking ingredient could lead me down a rabbit hole for like two weeks of reading information. This is what research is. It's not fast. It takes a fucking long time. And then you have to sit down and try and actually ascertain your bias. And what are your thoughts on these things? So... Yeah, fad diets and supplements, diet pills within reason and regulation are there to take your money, they're there to set you up to fail and they are there to take your money again and again and again. So if you're not buying stuff or paying money for things, how is, are they sucking you in? Um, they're sucking you in by making you fail. It's awful. It's habitual. Sometimes it's intergenerational. And remember, I'm just talking general population here. So what I want to do, and if I can help you in any sense, way, shape or form, is to try and encourage you to not be the dieter, to become the eater. It is a slow process of change. It is a positive process of change. And I had one lady, um, a client, bless, lover, not going to name her clearly, um, who took up one of my one-off um, nutrition 
uh, sessions recently. She felt she was in a place where she'd done a lot of work herself, and she has, and she didn't need my three-month package, so she took a um, single session. And what we figured out and ascertained for her is that overall, the way the foods that she's eating on par, perfect, but and really good healthy foods. Um, but she was under eating. So when I say under eating in regards to this client, it was mainly around her lunch. So she was eating a really good base food. Um, I'm not going to say what it is. Don't need to. It's not relevant to you. Um, but it didn't, and it was good for her. Healthy. It was what most people would deem healthy. But it didn't have enough calories in it, and it didn't have any protein. So then. She has a corporate job as such, so corporate jobs don't always get you to the three o'clock smoker room as much as we all think that they're all standing around the water cooler gossiping. Not everybody is. And then sometimes in the corporate world, especially if you're traveling for your job, you may skip out your afternoon tea um, time off so you can finish earlier and get home so that you can miss the traffic and you can get home that bit earlier. You know, all those things are relative to individuals. And so what, I, what we figured out was the lunch didn't have enough oomph there wasn't always a 3.30 addition, so there wasn't always a snack at 3, 3 o'clock or 3.30 when your brain starts to shut down because there's no carbohydrates in your system. And um, distance to get home, travelling home, then cooking tea, always cooked good tea, nothing wrong with the meal she's eating at all. But what she was finding is that she would either um, have a snack while preparing tea or be ravenous after tea and in the pantry. And so those two different instances and or or both together is because her lunch didn't have enough oomph. There was too big a gap between lunch and dinner. There was nothing in the middle. So she wasn't able to control her hunger and over... Um, overdid it basically and so what we did was right well how can we bulk up lunch so we bulked up lunch on the days where her workload was a, was a little bit less she is able to take breaks and have a snack in the afternoon tea afternoon tea time um that's not always a given so what we did is like right well, we'll focus around lunch and the feedback already was wow what a difference eating more has made eating more has stopped the snacking and the bedtime eating. So when I say you need to eat more, that's sometimes what it is. It's not that all of a sudden you've got to have seven little tiny wee meals a day and you've got to buy all these fancy ingredients. It doesn't. Focusing on getting your protein, your fiber, making sure that you are eating enough to be satisfied. Addressing the hunger cues. Where are they coming from? Are we getting to the stage that we've got satiety? If we're not satisfied, why are we not satisfied? And this comes down to regularly eating. It doesn't come down to taking on another fad diet that's just going to wreck your soul. It's hard, not going to lie to you. It comes with psychological imprints. It comes with emotions. It comes with both positive and negative thoughts and processes. So we start slow, we start little, and we add and we add in, because at the end of the day, that's what you would have done on a fad diet. There's strict rules that you think you can follow, and when I say, well, you don't need strict rules, we just need to do this, you think it's not hard enough. 
that actually shock horror doesn't actually have to be that fucking hard. Stop thinking that it's got to be hard. But then, on the flip side to that, just to confuse you, I'm then probably going to say to you, well, you can do the hard things. So the hard things is taking back the control. That's the hard thing. That's the thing that most people think is overwhelming and is hard. And it is hard taking back control of yourself, putting yourself in charge of yourself. That is hard, not going to lie there. And the hard thing can be knowing what to eat and when. So that isn't actually... Um, what do I buy at the supermarket? Well, it is a little bit, but it's knowing what where you're going to get your protein from. Where am I going to get my fiber from? Um, you know, and we do just sometimes want to be told what to eat because it takes the thinking away from it. If it takes the thinking away from it, it actually saves our emotions. So in doing the hard things is addressing your emotions here. It's addressing your thought patterns and processes and it's taking responsibility. I can help you with the accountability. You've just got to focus on the rest. So going from the dieter to the eater isn't easy. This is the hard thing. But I can 100% guarantee you, if you go down any other avenue of some fad diet, fasting, keto, weight management, with strict rules, it's going to be fucking harder. A lot harder. And it's not sustainable. And you're going to end up in the same place. Oof. Oof. Shit, we're getting some freaking hard knocks out there today. Think about that for a while. Give me some feedback. That hurt your feelings? Why did it hurt your feelings? Can I help you with your feelings? I'm not a counsellor, but you know what? Mental health and counselling seems to be a hell of a lot more of my job than it ever used to be. So yeah, I hope I've given you something to think about. Get in touch. See how I can help you some more. As always... Save us as your favourites, and I can't wait to see where this takes us. Wow, 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 wow. Wow, wow.